put myself into kind of a laboratory situation, you know, where I can, uh, I have the opportunity or the privilege, you know, to not do certain things, to not do email. I mean, what a blessing for one month. And we just have a one email account which Heather is going to check once a day just for any, like, emergencies. Not checking my phone, you know, not doing anything what I don't want to do for a whole month. That's really wonderful. And what I'd like to do is I really want to focus on diving more deeply into those guided meditations I'm sharing with all of us here on the Wednesdays. That's my intention to doing that synthesizing of the ancient practices from Iron Age India and bringing them together with the contemporary challenges of us, you know, needing to connect consciously with the modern human world in order to evolve, you know. And it's my kind of impression that those meditations can be really helpful, particularly, you know, if we also do it together in community. And, you know, as usual, I always uh, repeat a little bit what, what has been done last week. At the moment, you know, we are on the last component of the Noble Eightfold Path. Last week, I spoke about right or wise mindfulness or awareness, Sama Sati in Bali, and how that is, you know, classically it's applied in four areas of direct experience, and they are called the four Satipatthana. It's the basic template for Buddhist meditation. And the first one is body, somatic experience, kaya in Pali. The second one is feeling tones, vedana, the effective experience. The third one is mind, chitta, the cognitive experience. And the fourth one is called dharmas, which can be translated as phenomena and relates the previous three establishments to conditionality, how they're mutually conditioning. And then that opens up into a more universal, more impersonal understanding of life. And, you know, we start to notice what's called the three characteristics, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and not self or emptiness. And that leads to letting go. That's the mind, you know, naturally responds with letting go by understanding the way things are. And then it's it's kind of like jumping into the river of life and swimming rather than trying, you know, to hold on to the banks of the river desperately, you know. So that's, you know, in a way, a very simple and like from, you know, high-level view onto the practice, what is happening, what the practice is, is providing for us. But then, you know, to really practicing that way brings up a tons of unfinished business and that's why it's difficult. And that's, you know, what the Buddha said that the spiritual friendship is the most important support for the holy life, as it said in the scriptures, because we need to really have support of others and uh, reassurance and co-regulation in order to be able to stay in that river and to, you know, and if we notice that we are holding on at the banks, to have the courage to let go because we are swimming together with others. And, uh, you know, that this last strand or last component of the Noble Eightfold Path, right or wise, um, stability, I think, Sama Samadhi, is there's lots of different... Um, um, you know, words in English, how Sama Samadhi has been translated. I really like stability, but there's also focus, collectiveness, stillness, 
composure and immersion. Sometimes it's also translated as concentration, but I think that's not a very good word for it because Sama Samadhi is not at all about narrow, narrowing the mind or making the mind really tight, you know, by focusing on to a little point. But it's a, a stillness and a stability of mind, being able to stay with the chosen object that does not, to be that does not need to be narrow. It can be, but it's not uh, a natural part of stability. And we can say, you know, that Sama Samadhi is based on the skillful behavior of the seven previous components of the Noble Eightfold Path, the, the components which have gone before, which we have, you know, been going through right view, right thought, right action, right speech, right livelihood, all of those points, those together enable the mind to develop stability and focus. And, you know, it's the opposite of, of monkey mind. So it means, you know, a mind which is not wavering, a mind which is not wandering, but not because we are forcing it to do so, but because we have put all of these skillful behaviors in place and then the mind has the capacity to be with the object, the chosen object, and go deeper. And allowing, you know, that object to fill the mind and make it bright and make it workable, it's a more like an expansive, vast mind, an unbounded mind, not a concentrated mind, like, you know, concentrating on doing the taxes and having, you know, to close one's ears so one can stay with the task. That's not that's not Sama Samadhi. But that's kind of the way, you know, how we often understand what concentration is, to keep everything out in order to accomplish something. But Sama Samadhi is not like that. It's not about keeping it out but it's about keeping focused and developing stability and, you know, being able to go deeper, to go under the surface. And, you know, more complex and noisy mind levels are relatively superficial because they don't have the spaciousness. And without that spaciousness, there's always a sense of pressure. And because of that, you know, we are not able to embrace complexity and a uh, mind which has samadhi, there is no pressure. And you usually, you know, space gets easily overlooked. For example, when you, you know, looking at the screen now, you probably look at me, you know, as the object in the middle of the screen not really noticing, not really taking in the space around me, which enables me actually to sit here. Or when we read a book, you know, we look at the letters, but we don't look at the paper. That's just how we are conditioned. And, you know, through the meditation, we learn to also be, be aware of space. We often do that together, you know, spaciousness, awareness. You know, first we are aware of space, and then we are aware of that which knows about the space. Space gets often undervalued. And uh, in reality, you know, we need space in order to digest our experience. We need space and time, you know, to really be with what's going on inside of ourselves in response to what's going on in our lives. Because in this way, you know, our past experience becomes integrated as history. And if we don't do this integrative work, we are repeating the past again and again. That's what we call trauma. You know, unintegrated past is trauma. And integrated past is history, which 
is also productive, you know, of wisdom and compassion. But without space, without spaciousness, that digesting is not happening. And we, you know, keep stuck in the past and there is no, nothing for the updates to land in the true sense of the word because of the, the contraction. And the contraction, you know, it's this hardening and nothing can go in. Information, you know, cannot enter our being, but it just gets repelled, you know. And we get stuck in the past and repeating the past over and over again. And, you know, that creates a lot of havoc. What we, what we can see, I think, what's happening in the Middle East, you know, a repetition of, of the past, a repetition of trauma. And what we really need is, you know, to have a ceasefire and stop and just digest, take the time to digest. But sometimes, you know, if things have gone so far, if the repetition compulsion is so frantic, it is very, very difficult. Because there's no appreciation of the power of space. Because we have lost touch so much that it's so difficult to think that this might have any value. You know, even the whole fighting there is about space. It's about land. It's about a place to land. Because we all need a place to land because we have a body and the body is part of the land. So it's, it's incredibly... Settled, you know, what needs to be understood. And for that, we need space. And for that, we need support. And we need to stop running. So because we need space in order to allow the past to catch up and become present become present through digesting. So integrating those data and growing in perspective and really understanding you know, that this information process is uh, impermanent. You know, there is a constant digesting is necessary. We can't stop because something, you know, worked very well we can't just stop there and think now we can do the same thing over and over again because it does become irrelevant in time because everything is changing. And even the most, you know, wonderful thing needs to stay updated. It needs to stay connected to context and context is changing. So, you know, the two main practices in, in the canon which are working with that spaciousness is the first one is the four chanas, who are sometimes also called the eight chanas, the four, you know, material and fine material chanas, fine material and non-material chanas, rather. And then we have also the Brahma Viharas, which is metta, loving kindness or goodwill, benevolence, karuna, compassion, mudita, gladness, or sometimes also called sympathetic joy, and upeka, equanimity, equipoise. Those four. You know, the chanas, the immersions are more um, very... You know, practices which need quite a lot of support in order to do them. We need a very supportive environment for that. And some people have a natural inclination. They are naturally gifted, you know, because maybe they have practiced that in a past life. And here, you know, for our sessions, I'm rather working with the Brahma Viharas, the divine abidings, which are also uh, spacious mind states. 
expansive, boundless, the boundless mind states, they're also sometimes called. And, you know, as we are practicing those uh, instructions, what we are starting to know and notice is also that, you know, which always pulls us out of that spaciousness. And this is how we get to know ourselves. This is how we get to know our habitual patterns, you know, which have been uh, created over this lifetime, or maybe we have already brought some of it with us. So that helps us to develop a more informed relationship with ourselves and then also reaching out to others and doing it in community, like what we are doing here, you know, creating those healing spaces where we do this together. And through that, you know, um, increasing our ability to respond. If we have, you know, the capacity to create some space in our lives so that we can do this digesting work, which is so important, you know, particularly now, you know, and as we are bombarded with so much information, but if there's no space, it's just not gonna go anywhere. It has no place to land. So let us now, you know, come to a guided meditation on compassion again, I think. You know, compassion for ourselves and for all sentient beings and for future generations, you know, who are coming to be on this planet, you know, trying to digest more of what's going on and make some space which those future generations can land. And all of those who are living right now who don't have a place to land. So like starting with um, noticing the body sitting and breathing in and breathing out. Allowing the breath to take you into the body. sensing the gravity which gently you know pulls us towards the soil underneath where we are sitting you know showing us in no uncertain terms where the work lies where we belong and we need to start with grounding And with the out breath, you know, we can just allow <coughs> to have some roots, you know, come down into the soil. You know, gently without any pressure, sending them down into the root network underneath of the mycelium. And any tension and any stress which is with us, just allowing it to drain down into the vastness of the 
earth underneath us. You know, so willingly she receives all of it. And, you know, if it may be difficult for you to connect with that depth, just not, not putting any pressure, just noticing what, what you're noticing. Maybe there's a numbness there. Then that's what it is. There's no need, you know, to have a different experience than what is happening. That's not what meditation is all about. So with every breath, we go a little bit deeper, if that works for you. You know, and as there is more stability, more groundedness, the mind starts to relax and open up a little. We are grounded in our ancestry. The earth is made up, you know, of bodies, of beings which have lived before us, humans and animal and plant beings, mineral beings. This vast process of intelligence, which is operating since over 4 billion years, that's our ground. This is where we emerged from. And this is where we go back into. And this is our resource. This is our basis. And we can cultivate that conscious connection, which has an effect on the mind, if that is becoming conscious. We are not separate. And this is, you know, what can help us in this time of great spinning and turmoil. Trauma, you know, repeating, repeating, repeating itself. We can't stop that spinning, but we can ground it. And then it will slow down. And this can be something which also benefits, you know, our environment. The people who live with us, our little group here, we support each other in that too. And this is really, you know, where we need to go as a species. We need to recognize who we are. Our bodies are vast. And it really needs a practice to integrate that truth now at this evolutionary threshold but it becomes a real necessity in order to step up and evolve. This is the key for this evolutionary threshold to be integrated. And it's not rocket science. It is not 
super difficult. It isn't. It just requires a willingness to put in the time and to go through the surfacing of the undigested stuff. Which is not, you know, not easy, but it's doable. It's much easier than flying to Mars. We don't need any spaceship. We just need awareness, mindfulness, samadhi, and you know, all of the components of the path, really. And turning all of that towards the context rather than towards me and my problems. It's an adjustment in terms of uh, focus, focusing on the context of what it means you know, to be living at this time. where so many of the old ways of doing things are no longer really working very well and showing more and more cracks. And there's more and more you know, desperation and polarization and extreme responses happening in order to not let this thing fall apart, which needs to fall apart, but it needs to fall apart with care. Making way, making space for that, what needs to be born with care. So just noticing, you know, how you feel after having, you know, put in some time to ground. If there's a broader basis of grounding, the mind also opens up. That's just a very natural thing. This is not something we need to make happen. It's just happening. So that's the way to go, you know, to do that grounding work. And then through that, you know, dropping deeper. And just, you know, comparing the difference. The, the subtle joy of the mind which is open, which doesn't cling to anything, that what's called an unworldly joy, because it doesn't stem from a sense experience, but it stems from the temporary abeyance of any clinging to any senses. that automatically you know, takes us deeper and allows us to see, quote-unquote, see things in context. It's a temporary relief from ignorance. 
and it is a wordless transmission which comes from that abiding, the ease and the joy of non-separation. So then by being able to allow that constant flow and flux, allow it to be without interfering. And then, you know, if you're ready for it, we can bring up an image in our heart, an image of, uh, you know, we've seen maybe on the internet or the, the TV about what's going on in Gaza. People being deprived of the most basic necessities. many of them being children and you know the desperation which has narrowed the minds of so many people that they are capable of bringing about such a mess such a starkness such a contraction And then sensing it in our own bodies, our own bodies, you know, respond and gently, you know, breathing into that contraction. You know, with the wish of making all beings be free from harm and the intention to harm all beings, including ourselves. May all beings be free from harm and the intention to harm. You know, and how the mind, if there's no spaciousness, the mind can't really deal with complexity and goes into more and more extreme polarization and crazy you know, crazy ideas and stories to justify that polarization. And no space for seeing in context. And how dangerous that can be when it becomes, you know, like a on the political scene when it becomes a world issue. Starting you know, with a, a small something and then getting repeated and getting bigger and bigger and bigger until it pulls millions of people into this vortex of 
violence. May all beings be free from harm and their intention to harm. And you know, really sensing how important the groundedness is to be, you know, to land somewhere. And from there, the space can slowly become available, the internal space. But without landing, there's no way. This is where, you know, right or wise mindfulness, awareness, and right and wise samadhi immersion where they come together. Mindfulness lands and the stability opens space. And the space allows for the digesting, for the integration, for the expansion of context, and that's wisdom and compassion, really. In seeing a third way. It's not a yes or a no, a black or a white, but there's a third way, which is beyond all of those binaries. Which can integrate both of those binaries. It opens up you know, new possibilities, innovation. And, you know, in order to get to that new synthesis, we need to allow this phase of disorientation, you know, where, where the digesting takes place. And where the old thing, you know, is is allowed to die, becoming compost. And it takes time. And, you know, the compost pit can be a pretty hot place when it's all, you know, digesting. It's, it's not easy, but it's the way how it works. You know, when we have a meal, we can feel afterwards the digesting. It can be painful sometimes, you know, when it's hot, it takes a lot of energy. It's a it needs it needs to be supported by wise choices and by space and time. bringing this openness to the feeling to the sensing 
at least the medicine, the openness, the spaciousness, the allowing, acceptance. That, you know, which so often gets overlooked. That is the magic agent which we need to respect and support. Even it doesn't look like particularly powerful, but it has a power which is hidden from plain view. But we can sense it if we are in the presence of, you know, beings who have developed that spaciousness because they have done the digesting. And it's contagious because it's very deeply attractive and valuable. We can recognize that intuitively if it's really true spaciousness not numbness not disconnect not spiritual bypassing but real spaciousness which is alive Breathing in, you know, and through the breathing process, sending down those roots, so being aware of the grounding and at the same time allowing that spaciousness to be there. the vibrancy of that emptiness. Which is like a wordless transmission. of presence. and constantly changing. So becoming that flow, you know, whenever we notice we are holding on the banks of the river, just gently letting that go and coming back to the center, to the middle, swimming, noticing with whom we are swimming and allowing us to be carried by the flow. You know, a particular individual way, through the gifts we bring, through the talents we have, coming in you know, particular unique expressions of that flow in context. And I've brought a beautiful quote by Bayo Akumulafe, which I have been, you know, speaking about several times. 
a very important uh, teacher for me. And he says, may this new decade be remembered as the decade of the third way, the broken binary, the post-human movement for emancipation, the gift of disorientation that opens up new places of power, worlds we don't know yet. May this new decade be remembered as the decade of the third way, the broken binary, the post-human movement for emancipation, the gift of disorientation that opens up new places of power, worlds we don't know yet. It's a kind of a surrendering to that which we don't know yet. but which becomes available to us through the expansion of our consciousness. So allowing that to happen. Having new insights, innovation emerge. Creativity. by not holding on to the past at all cost. And, you know, by making ourselves available for that download, that vibrancy. Of being, you know, fully immersed in the present moment. and available by you know, opening up to this information, be able to have space where this information can land in us and change us through you know, tuning in, listening, resonating, Sensing, allowing, and you know, collectively and individually inviting innovation to become available as uh, wisdom and compassion. So that, you know, the future generations who will be born here, that they have somewhere to land. And people who are already here, that they have somewhere to land. 
And, you know, if we want to be supportive, we need to land ourselves first. Do that work. And clear out the that which clogs up the flow. And, you know, inviting the blessings of the ancestors and the future generations so that we can, you know, do our contribution for this very important work. To help that Chester past and integrated as history in the present. Not staying stuck in the repetition compulsion of trauma. And also, you know, sensing that urge, you know, which brought you here, because on some level we all recognize that this is what needs to happen, this digesting, this integration. We need to move on. We need to move on. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.